Good morning. So again, if you have your Bibles, we're in the Old Testament today. 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13. 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13. And if you were able, please stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. We know the written word of God. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Amen. Pray with me, please. You said, O Lord, that the grass might wither and the flowers might fall, yet your word stands forever. We know that your word will go out and not return unto thee void. We pray that this morning, that the word would go forth. Holy Spirit, use it in our hearts and our minds that we might be changed, drawn to you, drawn closer to you, more conformed to the image of Christ. If there is one here who doesn't know you, may they come to you this day. And for believers, may we be encouraged and challenged by your word. Feed us, Heavenly Father, today from your word. In Jesus' name we all pray and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated. Start with a question. Have you ever looked for an item that you thought was in a particular place? And you went to that specific place to look for the item, but found the item wasn't there. This happens to me all the time, particularly with this device right here. I think I put my phone somewhere and I go to look for it. It's not there. And then it happens with this right here, car key. I think my car key's in a certain place. I get there. It's not there. Does this happen to anybody else? Somebody? Okay. I'm glad to see some other people have this issue as well. And when that happens to me and I get to that place, I get frustrated and I say, where is it? I thought it was here. Where in the world is it? Well, I think for many people, that exact thing happens when they read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 of an ESV Bible. Because if you have an ESV Bible, go ahead and turn there to Matthew chapter 6, and I want you to look for the conclusion to the Lord's Prayer. We said the conclusion a moment ago, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
And if you have an ESV Bible, you're thinking, oh, I know where that is. It's, it's right there in Matthew 6. But you go and turn to Matthew 6 and you ask the question, where is it? I thought it was here. Where in the world is it? Well, let me tell you what's going on in the text in Matthew 6, particularly verse 13. You see, in the ancient manuscripts of Matthew, some of those ancient manuscripts include the conclusion to the Lord's Prayer, that is the kingdom, power, glory forever. Amen. And some ancient manuscripts do not include it. And based on which manuscript your English version was translated from, some translations might have it, but some, like the ESV, will not have it. So there is a widespread opinion as to whether the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer is actually in the original text of Matthew 6, or was it an addition, a, a, a doxology that the early church added as simply a way to end the prayer? Which one was it? Because we, we see this used by the early church even at the end of the first century. Which one is it? But now the question that I raise today is that if the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer was not in the original manuscript of Matthew 13, is praying the conclusion biblical? Well, that's what brings us to our text today in 1 Chronicles 29. Let me give you some context of what's going on here in 1 Chronicles King David was getting ready to die. He had reigned for 40 years. And he was getting ready to pass his torch to his son, Solomon. Yet right before Solomon was anointed as king, you see it in the text, David prayed. And he prayed in the assembly of the people. That prayer is found in our text today. And you probably noticed that the words of David in his prayer make up the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. Look back with me. This is 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11. In that one verse, this is David's prayer. He says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. So we see that even if this conclusion to the Lord's Prayer wasn't part of the original manuscript of Matthew 6, the early church might have added David's prayer from 1 Chronicles 29 as an ending to the prayer that they used in worship services together in the early church. All that to say is that the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer is absolutely biblical. We find it in the Bible. And I would add further that not only is it biblical, it's appropriate. You see, think about this. When, when David was praying that prayer to the Lord, he was thinking about his son Solomon, who, would, who was getting ready to be king. And he was going to be king for a very limited amount of time, but he was getting ready to take hold of the kingship there in Israel. But when you and I pray this prayer, 
We're not thinking about Solomon, are we? But we are thinking about another king who came from the line of David. A king who won't just reign for a given period of time like Solomon did. But a king who will reign forever and ever. We are thinking of the promised Davidic king, Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 12? He said this, something greater than Solomon is here. Something greater than that first son of David, Solomon, is here. I'm in your midst. I'm the true king of the kingdom. I won't just reign a brief period of time. I will reign forever and ever and ever. And you can see in 1 Chronicles 29, specifically verse 11, David gives to God kingdom, power, and glory. And that is what we're praying for. We're praying in the Lord's Prayer to be ascribed to our God. Kingdom, power, and glory. If you have your bulletin today, be sure and look on the back of the bulletin. There's an outline there that will guide us through this sermon as we talk about Jesus' kingdom, power, and glory. As Pastor Darrell said to us, it's his. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. But let's first look at that first point, kingdom. Because the Bible says to us today, even in 1 Chronicles, God to you, yours is the kingdom. Now, we just noted that this whole idea of kingdom started in the Old Testament. Saul was the first king of Israel. Then after Saul, David, and then his son, Solomon. And during the reign of David, we find that God comes to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and makes a covenant with David even concerning the kingship of Israel. We're going to put a few verses on the screen We're going to talk about that Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel 7 as it even relates to Jesus. In 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, the Bible says, God says this to David, When your days are fulfilled and when you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Okay, well clearly that's talking about Solomon. Solomon was going to be the one to come after David, and then Solomon would have Rehoboam. You have these uh, earthly kings who would reign for a given period of time um, there in Israel. But we're going to move on in uh, 2 Samuel 7 to verse 16 because the covenant promise continues. God says to David, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Wow, what a promise. Forever. The thing is, Solomon didn't live forever. His son Rehoboam didn't live forever. How would this continue forever if these kings can't live forever? How how, how is this going to be sufficient? That's where we see the gospel. This is where we see the good news of Jesus Christ. And now we're getting to the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, and we're going to put this passage on the screen as well, Luke teaches us that at the birth of Jesus Christ, 
the Davidic promise that was given by God to David in 2 Samuel 7 is now going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This is what Luke says. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And pay attention to this next part, because this is where Luke 1 fulfills 2 Samuel 7. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, who? David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. In Jesus, we see how the Davidic promise is made possible forever. Because Jesus is God. Jesus lives forever. Jesus sits on the throne forever. He's the one who will have no end. I remember listening to um, some great lectures in seminary from my professors. And Dr. Uh, Bob Carroll would, would tell us all the time, he'd say to us as students, he'd say, some of the most amazing passages in the entire Bible is when a New Testament writer takes an Old Testament passage and brings it into the New Testament and applies that passage to Jesus. Because that's exactly what Luke did. He looked back and saw the Davidic covenant, that God made this great promise to David, to Solomon, but it wasn't fulfilled until you had someone who could sit on the throne forever. And Luke applies it to Jesus in his first chapter. Jesus fulfills that promise of kingdom. Remember what Jesus said. Something greater than Solomon is here. The kingdom belongs to Jesus. It's his. Now, what is the kingdom of God? We talked about this a few weeks ago when we looked at the first part of the Lord's Prayer. We learned that the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God's Messiah, Jesus Christ. He is the king of that kingdom. And he wasn't elected by a democratic majority. He wasn't elected by an electoral college that's been talked about all week long in the news. He is king because God says he's king. He is king because of who he is and what he's done. He is God, the king of the kingdom. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, says the Psalms. We see that Jesus, when he came, he inaugurated his kingdom. He says, if you see demons being cast out, you can know the kingdom of God's at hand. Jesus was saying to the people, here's the evidence. I'm showing you I'm the king. I'm showing you I'm powerful. Look at the power I have over these demons. The kingdom's been inaugurated. In Jesus, the kingdom of God continues presently. Right now, he's seated at the right hand of God. Did you know that's the highest seat that's ever been given to any man? You can sit by the president. You can sit by earthly kings. You can sit in man-made um, chairs of fame. But there's no, highest, there's no higher seat than this right hand of God. Jesus is presently reigning there right now. And by grace through faith, you and I can come into that kingdom. That you won't just be saved from your sins. You'll be a child of the king. You'll be one of his greatest treasures. 
Because our king pictures himself as a shepherd who loves his sheep. A shepherd who governs his flock. And you and I can be part of that flock of God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We can belong to the king. And then one day Jesus will come and he'll consummate that kingdom. The good news for you and I is that, hey, we're not home yet. We're waiting on Jesus Christ to return. Jesus said this in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. One day, beloved, our faith shall end in sight. And I know the good news, even for Donna's grandmother, is that she is now seeing Jesus. Her faith is ended in sight. What a glorious promise that is, is that the king of the kingdom will usher all his people into his presence that they might even see Jesus. And on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Beloved, the kingdom belongs to Jesus, but he wants you to know that you can be in that kingdom by grace through faith in him. Secondly, today, God is the power. Thine is the power. Yours is the power, O oh God. You know, as we search the Scriptures, the Bible teaches us so much about the power belonging to God. On your notes, you'll see four different ways. We're going to look at that this morning. God has the power to create something out of nothing. Can you do that? If I gave you a handful of nothing, could you take it and create something out of it? We can't do that, can we? But God can. Genesis chapters 1 through 2 says that God created all things out of nothing. We call that ex nihilo creation, which is translated out of nothing. And then out of nothing, God created day and night. He created planets and galaxies, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Out of nothing, God created the earth, the four seasons, the rotations and the different revolutions. He created the axis on which the earth tilts. God created the land and the seas, the plants, the vegetation, the fish, and the birds. On that sixth day, God created land animals, and he created man in his image, with the ability to know God. You see, these are things that God can do, but we can't do. That's why the power belongs to God. Secondly, he has the power to heal. In John chapter 9, God made a blind man see. I'd love to have been there that day. Watch that. In Mark chapter 7, he calls the deaf man to hear. In John chapter 5, he made a lame man walk. And in Matthew chapter 8, do you remember this story of the faith of the centurion? In Matthew chapter 8, 
Let's look at that text together. Matthew chapter 8, this is verses 5 through 8. I'll just read it to you. We don't have it on the screen, but it says, When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. What faith this man had in Jesus. And the text goes on to say, And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, and let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Beloved, these types of healings, these are things that only God can do, that we can't do. That's why the power belongs to God. Thirdly, other miracles that Jesus and God performed throughout the scripture. In the Exodus, God parted the Red Sea. In Daniel, God closed the mouths of the lions. In Kings, God made fire fall from heaven to consume a sacrifice that had been covered in water. In John 2, Jesus turned water into wine. In Mark 4, Jesus woke up from the nap, and while all the disciples were in a panic because of the storm, Jesus said, peace be still, and the winds and the waves calm down. In Matthew 14, Jesus showed he was powerful enough to walk on water. In John 11, he taught us he was powerful enough to call a dead man who had been in the grave for four days out. Lazarus come forth and a dead man came walking out. Jesus is powerful enough to experience the cursed death of the cross. Be under the power of death for three days, yet what? Rise again. These are things, beloved, that only God can do, and we can't. That's why the power belongs to him. It's his. And then finally, for you and me, we understand that God has the power to regenerate and save our souls. Jesus was powerful enough to defeat sin on the cross and in his resurrection. Jesus is powerful enough to call you and I who are dead in our trespasses and sins unto spiritual life in his name. In Acts 16, he taught us he was so powerful, he opened Lydia's heart to receive Jesus as Savior. I want you to know pastors can't do these things. I can't do these things. Elders can't do these things. Deacons can't do these things. Listen to this quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, No matter how disciplined a minister is in the preparation of his sermon, no matter how learned he may be, no matter how much knowledge he brings to the pulpit, no matter how eloquent and persuasive that pastor is, without the accompanying power of God the Holy Spirit, his sermons are impotent. 
We stand by the power of God and by the power of God alone. That is why we are absolutely dependent on God for salvation. That's one of the reasons I pray on Sundays. Lord, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, would you do the work in their hearts? Because this pastor can't do a work. I can't bring anybody to salvation. Neither can you. Only God can. Beloved, these are things that only God can do and we can't. That's why the power belongs to God. Finally this morning. Not only does kingdom and power belong to God, but so does the glory. We'll put our next slide on the screen. This is the birth announcement of Jesus Christ. We've, talked to, we've had some Christmas passages this morning. Let's have another. When the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth as a baby, the announcement was made by the angels to the shepherds and this is what happened. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those whom he is pleased, with whom he is pleased. Think about this. Those shepherds are minding their own business. The angel appears. What's the first thing they say? Have no fear. A Savior who is Christ the Lord will be born unto thee. This heavenly host appears. Glory to God. Why? Because Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Lord. Even at his birth, we're taught, give glory to God that belongs to him. In the book of Romans, chapter 11, Verse 36, we'll put that on the screen as well. The Apostle Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He had just written all about this great theology of what Christ has done for us. He talked about our sin, but how Christ's blood conquered that sin. That we can be justified, declared righteous by God. That we can be adopted by God. We can be sanctified by God. And he gets to this conclusion in Romans 11. He says, for from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be glory. How long? Forever. Forever and ever. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to this final verse. This is in Revelation chapter 4. I want us to end this point by looking into the throne of heaven itself. John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, takes us behind the curtain, shows us what's going on in the throne room of God. And he says to us in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Eternally giving glory to God. Why? Because of who God is and what he's done. He says here, I give you glory because you created. This is what you've done. I give you glory because of who you are, your Savior and Lord, says the angels. And forever and ever, God's people 
over and over are called to give Him glory for who He is and what He's done. Beloved, to God be the glory. As we conclude things this morning, a couple questions. We look at this, this phrase, to yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. How long? Forever. So how long is the kingdom yours, O oh God? It's yours forever. It wasn't Saul's forever, was it? It wasn't David's. It wasn't Solomon's forever. But it is Jesus's forever. How long is the power yours, O oh God? Forever. God will never change. Unlike shifting shadows, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is eternally powerful. And today, He's powerful enough to even work in your heart and your life. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, my prayer for you is that the power of God would come upon you. The Holy Spirit would grab a hold of your heart that you might know Jesus. For the Christian here today, I pray that you would live leaning upon the power of God. And not on your, your power. His strength is perfect. His grace is sufficient. He has promised that he who has begun to work in us will be faithful to complete it. Do we believe that? Yes, God is powerful to complete that in our lives. Well, how long is the glory yours, O God? Forever. God will forever be the object of of our praise. So what do we say to all of this? We say amen. To yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen means truly, so be it. Just as you said, oh God, in your words, so be it. Yes, truly, I verify, or we, we, we agree, God, to say, so be it. I want you to see that this prayer starts and ends with God. It starts, our Father in heaven. Starts with God. It also ends with God. To yours, to you, O oh God, be kingdom, power, and glory forever. Takeaways. Let me ask you some questions here. In your life, how are you ascribing kingdom, power, and glory to God? First of all, do you live in the kingdom of God? Or are you still part of the kingdom of this world? Because let me tell you, Christ invaded the kingdom of this world with the kingdom of God. Those are two different things. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Christ in your life. Have you come to him by grace through faith? And if you're in the kingdom of God, are you making that kingdom visible in your life? Are you living as the salt of the earth and the light of the world? As Calvin said, a few, we said it a few weeks ago, are you making that invisible kingdom visible right now? Secondly, as for power, do you recognize the sovereign power of God in your life and in this world? That he is an all-powerful God who does what he wants when he wants, yet he is so tender and loving that he desires to bring you into that kingdom through his power. Do you lean and trust in that power every single day? And then finally, as for glory, do you praise Him? 
Do you praise Him and glorify Him for who He is and what He's done? The angel said unto us, a Savior who is the Lord, Christ the Lord is born. Let us glorify God because He's Savior and Lord. Revelation says, I glorify Him because He created. To Him, through Him, from Him are all things. To you, O God, be the glory. Let us look at this portion of the Lord's Prayer and in our lives ascribe kingdom, power, and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with me, please.